Hello, welcome to the Legal Marketing 2.0 podcast. I am Guy Alvarez, your host, and this is the show where we examine the latest trends in digital marketing and explain how they can help you get more leads and get new clients. In today's episode, we're going to be chatting about client journey mapping. But before we jump into the episode, I want to ask you a question. Do you struggle with digital marketing and how to make it work for you and your law firm? If so, I want you to go to lawfirmmarketinghelp.com and sign up for a free digital audit. This audit will provide you with all the information you need to get your digital marketing to produce the results you want. All right. So in today's show, we are very excited because we have our very first guest, Yolanda Cartuccello, who is a partner at the consulting firm of Bernera Press. Welcome, Yolanda. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to be your first guest. We are delighted to have you. And as always, I have my colleague here with me, Tim Barron, our chief marketing officer. Welcome, Tim. Thank you, Guy. And yes, we're very, very excited to have you Excellent. So Yolanda, we're going to talk about something that I know is near and dear to your heart, which is client journey mapping. And uh, we've seen the video and uh, presentation you, you put together. Obviously, the reviews from the Legal Marketing Association annual conference were fabulous. And uh, I'm going to be presenting with you at the Lexis uh, Accelerate conference. So that, that'll be great. For the audience that might not be familiar with the term client journey mapping, what exactly is client journey mapping and why is it important for a law firm marketer and a lawyer to understand this? So really simply put, a client journey map is really just a visual of the actual experience a client has in working with any organization. Um, For a law firm, that experience can start even before this individual is a client. Now, I just want to actually uh, throw out a definition or two here. You're going to hear me talk about an individual as opposed to an organization. And that's actually a very important component of client journey mapping. Because one of the problems that I see in law firm marketing in general is that we think of our clients as organizations or companies. And we don't remember that in fact people are hiring us. And if we try to focus more on the person as opposed to the organization, we do a better job of understanding that personal experience that someone goes through in working with a law firm. And that person has feelings, it has attitudes, that person has objections and preferences, and a client journey map helps us better understand how when we interact with this person from the beginning to the end of the journey, we are doing it well or we are doing it poorly. And both things can be true at various points in the journey and it allows us to better understand how we can improve the experience for our clients. I think that's a great great example of how uh, law firms really fail to distinguish between the individual client and the organization. And I think, you know, that that even has to do with the role the client is playing, right? If the, if the client is a business owner, as opposed right. to the in-house counsel or the director of risk, they're going to have not just different attitudes, but also different concerns and different things that keep them up at night. Right? Absolutely. Guy, you put the, you hit the nail on the head. 
One of the things that we talk about when we think about client journey mapping is we talk about personas. We talk about individuals that have similarities so that we're not creating a map for every single client of the firm, but rather for like clients or similar journeys. And one of the things that it's important to distinguish between is the fact that although an organization may be one client, within that organization, you may have several clients and those several different clients have different kinds of needs. And so you have to really understand what each of the clients is looking for in order to be able to meet those needs. So you were talking about a business owner versus an in-house counsel. What about in the same organization? You have an in-house counsel, you have a board director, you have a procurement officer. They each have different needs and they may each interact with you at different points during the journey of working on a matter and you need to understand how to meet all of those needs. Right. So so tell us a little bit, um, you know, in your work with, well, first of all, you are the, the CMO at two major Fortune, uh, I mean, uh, AMLA 100 law firms. So was this a tactic that you used while you were there or is this something uh, new for you that you've been advising your clients to do? How does this all come about? Sure. We didn't call it client journey mapping when I was inside the law firm, but we were applying some of the same techniques. Client journey mapping really entered the legal lexicon about two years ago. And it comes from the phrase customer journey mapping, which is a technique that has been used by corporations around the world for years and years. It started in retail and consumer, but it very quickly moved into professional services. And now law firms are starting to catch on. Right. And, and Tim, when you were uh, at, at your uh, company, um, you had to do a little bit of persona development as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you looked at the, the customer journey or the client journey. Absolutely. So even when I was at a law firm and I was in the library and we would talk to different departments, we had to think about not just about the clients and their journey, but about the lawyers in there. We almost viewed them as clients. Right. Right. So within That's a exactly legal, right. So within a large. So this client journey and this uh, journey mapping can be applied not just to clients but internally as well. I assume. Absolutely, and think of it as it's a piece of plumbing in a sense, and that piece of plumbing can fit in a lot of different situations. Um, and it's a really flexible piece, <laughs> and so you can retrofit it in a lot of ways. Uh, when I talk to lawyers about client journey mapping, I talk to them about individuals who are already clients. But the truth of the matter is that you can talk about client journey mapping from the perspective of targets. You can talk about client journey mapping from the perspective of, as you said, internally other administrative departments that use the services of your group. You can talk about your alumni in a client journey map. Absolutely. You can look at um, even processes such as how you work with your vendors and you can create a client journey map there. You can actually reverse the process and make them do it for you. Um, there are a lot of different ways to use it. One of the things that I like to tell law firms is that you can use it with your associates as a training tool. Give your associates a client journey mapping uh, guide and then tell them that when they have clients come in and do those lunches where they come in and talk about what they do, rather than them sitting there on their Blackberries, make them fill out the map. Mm. So, um, 
you know, you mentioned when you when you talk to clients, uh, to lawyers about uh, client journey mapping, what what advice would you give the the CMO or the legal marketer who believes that this could improve uh, client relations or or their business development processes, but doesn't really know how to get started, how to convey the value of client journey mapping to partners, and how to actually begin the process. Um, so I think the first thing that I would say <clears throat> is to get a little bit acquainted with client journey mapping and what it actually is. There are a lot of materials online. There are materials on my website. Feel free to um, come to BerneroPress.com. We have information about it. Feel free to reach out to me at Yolanda at BerneroPress.com. However, there are also lots of other materials on, on the web. Uh, you don't have to come to mine. Um, and get a little bit of background on it. What I would say to you after you've done that is the most important component of a client journey mapping exercise is to focus on revenue generation. And so if you want to convince a lawyer <laughs> that this is a worthy endeavor, start from the end point. What do you want your end game to be? The end game is to enhance client relationships to lengthen the stay of the client, if you will, at the firm, to find other ways to work with them, and to increase profits and revenue. So if you begin there, I think you've suddenly captured the attention of the lawyers who you're talking to. So that's number one. Number two, I think the other thing to talk about is that this gives you an opportunity to listen to the clients. It's one of the most important things that you can be doing is listen to the clients. For those firms that are already listening to the clients, you can now take all of that wonderful information that you've gathered and you can now apply it in a way that helps everybody in your organization, not just the partners, but everybody in the organization better understand what the client's trying to achieve and then become a more client-focused organization, which will inevitably lead to increased revenue and profits for the firm. You know, law firms today, you can't open a legal publication today without seeing or reading that the clients are the ones who are in charge. Right. It's sort of a buyer's market now right. for legal services. And just yesterday, we put up a, a blog post on, on Good To Be Social about how when you prepare a, an RFP, there are line items, things that you can, that law firms can add, or um, yeah, law firms can add to add value to that RFP. And part of one of those components was content, let's say like offering CLE courses. I could see something like this, like saying, this is how we take care of our clients um, as part of that proposal to, you know, to be a differentiation, don't you think? It's funny that you say that because during the course of the CMO Summit, one of the attendees said, you know, this is something that I think I want to work into my proposal and RFP program. Um, I know another firm that actually uses the client journey mapping process to start the work with their clients. And it really differentiates both how the client feels about them, that they've sat down to do this, and also the entire experience along the way, because they've gotten it right from the beginning. Um, and to your point about the kinds of things that might add value, as part of the CMO Summit, we had six in-house counsel participating. And what we did was each in-house counsel facilitated a different table at the summit. 
And they talked about what was important to them. They talked about an actual journey they took. And we made everybody map out the journey, create a map for themselves so they could learn how to do it. And then at the end, the council created a panel and we had a panel discussion. And interestingly, I will tell you, we're not talking about rocket science when it comes to improving the journey. Sure. We're talking about a series of very similar expectations and frankly, very similar disappointments that each of these in-house council had during the course of an engagement. You know, things that really delighted them were simple things, like one lawyer provided an Excel spreadsheet, which provided some options to the in-house counsel, and she could not have been happier to receive that. Um, another example is, you know, a, one law firm goes in and they job shadow people when they are added to the in-house counsel uh, office, and so that's something that that firm does to distinguish it. That law firm figured this out after sitting down and really listening to the in-house counsel and understanding what the frustrations were they were having with the firm. And that's a form of client journey mapping. I will tell you one thing that was very consistent across all of the in-house counsel is that they said they didn't see a legal competence problem. And I really want to make this point because this is particularly important for our audience. The other thing to go to lawyers and say is it's not about legal competence. In-house counsel over and over and over again say, we hired you because we know you can do the work. Now it's about how you work with us. So they see non-legal issues, EQ, project management, communication skills. You know, one of them said lawyers judge themselves on the quantity or number of deals. It's not f about that for me. Um, I think about how collaborative are they? How mm. responsive are they? Have I seen the senior partners or am I being dismissed down to the most junior members of the team? Um, you know, give me credit for what I know and give me credit for the fact that I have eyes and ears. And so what these in-house counselors are saying is that their experience is not simply dependent upon the legal advice they're receiving, but rather the experience of working with the firm all along the way. And that's funny because... We all know the old saying, you know, people like to work, people like to work with people they like. And so a lot of times a lawyer, uh, in-house counsel or a business owner will choose which law firm and which lawyer to work with, not based upon competency, right. but really based upon all these other, call them soft skills, if you will. Um, but also... You know, how much is a lawyer willing to invest in understanding the client, the right. client's business, right. uh, the client's problems or opportunities? And I think that's where a lot of lawyers, you know, and uh, they don't help their marketing teams to figure that out. You know, what makes them unique? How are they different? And it's not about awards. It's not about necessarily where you went to school. A lot of times... It's apples to apples, and it's the other things that are different, right? And I think you're exactly right. And I actually want to pick up on something that you said, which leads me to my next point, which is that we know, having worked with lawyers for many, many years, that there are certain skill sets that they have in spades, and other ones, generally speaking, are not the strongest suit that they have. You know, one of the things that frustrates me sometimes in working with law firms is they don't recognize that they actually have the answers right there in front of them. 
It doesn't have to be lawyers. It can be the paralegals. It can be the administrative assistants who answer the phone. It can be the receptionist. It can be the accounting department doing a it's better job. It's the experience, It's right? exactly, it's that's the exactly client right. Experience. It's the experience. And, yeah. and a client experiences all of it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I think we what we all agree on is that competency is table stakes. <laughs> when someone hires a firm, they've already done their due diligence and they know that, okay, this is who I want to hire. These are all, like you said, soft skills and other factors that could be a differentiation in you uh, getting the job or not. Right. Now, what do you say to folks that's, um, that think, oh, this might be just another fad, right? It's a client mapping, client journey. Um, how, how does that make a difference in law firms? And do you have any tangible or examples of results? that a client journey mapping has accomplished? Well, I would agree that the phrase client journey mapping is new to the lexicon, and it does sound like a fad, right? It, do, it does. Um, I will tell you that, you know, 20 years of this work um, by companies that are some of the most successful in the world, Apple, um, Microsoft, um, Google. Google, Amazon, you know, one of the leaders in the client experience in the world. But not even just there. Let's also look at McKinsey. Deloitte. Deloitte, exactly. Um, IBM yep. really has come up considerably on this issue over the last five years in particular. Um, you know, a lot of what's happening with Watson actually has to do with the client experience Absolutely. as much as anything else. So what I would say to you is that Although it sounds, you know, fanciful and a new fad, it's actually here to stay. And it has been around for a while. And the results um, in the larger community of organizations is, is actually very compelling. In fact, there was a study recently completed by the Aberdeen Group. And that study, essentially, it's from April of 2015. And what it does is it demonstrates that companies that have a client journey management program versus others tend to find a, an, an increase of 10% return on marketing investments. Their number of positive mes messages in social media is significantly higher than those that don't. Um, revenue from customer referrals for those who don't have a program is around 5%. For their, those who do, it's about 18%. Wow significant difference yeah. going back to the point of revenue so that's sort of writ large does client journey mapping work yes it absolutely works for law firms themselves those that have implemented client journey mapping programs have found um, significant differences in the way in which they approach clients I was working with one firm without really mentioning names um, but I was working with them on a business development training program and we did a client journey mapping exercise and they realized during the course of the exercise that they actually had two competing groups of people working with the same client in two completely different ways. And they suddenly, the light bulb went off as to why the client was getting frustrated. And so that's a very small, specific example. Another example is a firm that I was working with on this mapping program that realized that their associates were not interacting with the clients in the ways in which they thought that they should be because the associates had never been brought into the process 
of talking about yeah. from the client's point of view. Yeah, absolutely. So I remember attending, a, to that point, a presentation where an attorney who now does a lot of these process improvement techniques for law firms uh, put a Kanban board up. And this is how, from when you get a case, you, you put up all of it, it can be just posted as notes, you know, on a, um, on a, on right. a whiteboard. And then just visualizing that, right. you're able to identify bottlenecks and problems and things that you wouldn't have um, seen before. Is that a similar? So it's similar, but I would say this is really a companion to it, and I'll okay. tell you why. Because what that is doing is that you are laying out the process of how you handle a matter. Right. What client journey mapping allows you to do as a companion to that is to de determine whether or not in-house counsel actually even want you doing the things that you've mapped out. Mm -hmm. So for example, if a law firm has mapped out their process and they've figured out ways to be extraordinarily efficient on taking depositions um, or writing motions, but what the client really wanted was to settle as quickly as possible, as close to the beginning of this as possible, because this in the broader context of their business was going to create a huge PR issue you haven't done them a very great service by becoming really efficient at that other part when what you should have been efficient at is helping them to determine very quickly how to get out of this matter in the first place. Another example is that you know a lot of firms have gotten really good at handling due diligence. And some clients don't want that robust due diligence review to begin with. I realize the pushback on that from lawyers might be that they have a legal obligation to do it, but I also know from experience that there is a way for lawyers and clients to have a conversation around that and to determine scope. So what the client journey mapping process helps you do is better understand scope from the client's point of view and understand preferences from the client's point of view. There's no sense in building a five-bedroom house when all they were really looking for was a hammock on the beach. Absolutely. So I remember you talking about client journey mapping, and we've talked about in this uh, podcast episode about how it applies to clients. Can you turn that internally also? Can you give maybe an example of how other ways law firms can use client journey mapping? Absolutely. There are a lot of different ways that law firms can use client journey mapping as a technique. So earlier I mentioned using it as an associate training tool. Um, and one of the ways in which you can do that is you can take associates through a client journey mapping exercise and then when they are interacting with their own clients, have them fill out the map. Or when somebody comes in to speak, or when alumni come back to speak about their experience in-house, have them fill out the map. Another way is a lot of um, large law firms have associates go off on secondments. Right. What if they were to fill out the map while they were there and then to come back and to take everybody through the map itself? It's a great idea. So that the firm can become more efficient yeah. in doing things the way that the client likes. And while the associate may have built up that knowledge and that expertise, the real value of client journey mapping is institutionalizing those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, another example might be to use client journey maps together with clients. What if you filled them out with your clients? Mm -hmm. That would be an extraordinary uh, differentiation. Yes, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I would also say that you should, you can use um, client journey mapping techniques to infuse questions in your client questionnaires or your client interviews that will elicit this kind of information that makes it easier for you to fill out these maps as opposed to, are you happy? <laughs> now, I know that client interviews aren't just about, are you happy? But I think that one of the things that you can do is you can have more specific and more granular questions in those surveys so that you can fill out those maps. I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier because I think, um, you know, client journey mapping doesn't just have to be for clients. It could be for for prospective clients, right? Absolutely. And so you and I have discussed that, you know, the client journey really starts uh, when you're trying to attract a client. And the first step in that journey is, is you know, identifying a need or discovering that that you know you have a need or you have something that you need to accomplish maybe your company's getting sued or you're merging with someone else or you're getting acquired or you're licensing a product whatever whatever's going on and so um, a lot of firms from my perspective what they fail to do is to develop content that sort of lets the potential client figure out for themselves whether whether or not they even need a lawyer to begin with. And then once they realize that they do, then to figure out, well, who are the lawyers that know something about this and then figure out who they want to work with. And you know, what's interesting about what you said is I think that, you know, general human uh, interaction and behavior will tell us that if you're the law firm that has helped them figure that out, then you're the law firm they're exactly. likely going to turn to yeah. <laughs> to work with. And you've created the positive impression that you know how to guide them. So if you could guide them to figuring out if they need to use a lawyer, you're going to guide them throughout the process. And, and that's what we do here at Good To Be Social, right? The reason we write all this how-to content and, you know, we have people that say, you guys are crazy, you're giving it all away. But in, in our eyes the more we can educate our target audience, eventually they're gonna need someone to help them and who better to help them than the people that have been educating them all along, right? I completely agree. I would also say that there is um, you know, a dynamic going on, going on in the legal marketplace whereby um, some firms are focusing on a lot of commoditized work while other firms are trying to focus on what they call sort of the tippy top, the high end, the complex work. Um, the fact of the matter is that more and more work becomes work that all law firms can do and not just the firms that consider themselves at the top of the pyramid. And so how do you develop relationships with clients that are con constantly looking for a better um, experience and frankly pricing goes into that better experience, right? We haven't talked about pricing much. One of the ways that you do that is you actually give of yourself and you give content and you give them direction before they've ever hired you. Exactly. You know, if you want to differ differentiate yourself from someone, show them what you know. I agree. And, you know, going to the other end of the spectrum, I think where, and I think you mentioned this as well, I think where a lot of law firms fall off is, you know, they, they get hired, um, they do the work and they figure, okay, now they're a client and that's where we, you know, our effort is not as strong as it needs to be from a marketing and business development perspective. But 
you know, the journey from getting hired to converting that client into an advocate who is uh, going to right. refer more work to you, whether it's more work from within their company or refer other potential clients to you, that's really, you know, from my perspective, the secret sauce. And so it's not enough to do a good job while you're uh, doing the work for the client, but you got to deliver more value and, and find ways that that client is going to become an advocate, right? You know, part of the thing that I do is I actually do client interviews. And I can tell you from my experience in conducting client interviews that while clients will absolutely acknowledge and recognize the legal expertise of the lawyers that they work with, and they will praise it, the highest praise comes from the way that they're treated. It comes from the experience that they had and the, the way in which they have been managed all along. And if you have a client who, for example, is um, in the middle of IPOing its company, you know, what happens with organizations that IPO their companies? They have cash on hand. They have a balance sheet issue. What they're doing is they're collecting that money so they can make investments. So if you haven't guided them towards how those investments should be handled from a legal perspective, you're doing yourself and, frankly, your client a disservice. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we are unfortunately running out of time. Um, what else would you like to tell our audience? Uh, what is maybe one takeaway that they can take from, from our discussion today? So I'm going to give you two Great. because I can never decide on one. <laughs> All right. One is that the most important thing you can be doing is listening to your clients. If you are not already doing that, you have to figure out a way to create a comprehensive and regular way of listening to your clients. And that doesn't have to be a formal, you know, outside consultant survey. It could be just making sure that your lawyers can answer six questions about their clients at all times and giving them those questions and telling them they've got to know the answers and collecting those answers. Um, and the other thing that I would say to you is that in addition to listening to your clients, you, you can start small. You don't have to create a client journey map for every client or for every type of um, matter that you handle at the firm. Start with one, start it as a pilot. Work with people who are willing to try this out and you'll quickly find out that there's benefits to it that you hadn't even expected. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Yolanda. Uh, tell our audience where they can get a hold of you, where if they want to find out more about client journey mapping. Um, so you can reach me at Yolanda at BerneroPress.com. Um, and our website is www.BerneroPress.com. And... Um, and you're on Twitter. And I am on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your what's your Twitter handle? I think it's at Yolanda underscore Cartu. C A R T U. Am I right? I know that because I repeated. <laughs> so I re you are right. <laughs> it is at Yolanda underscore Cartu. Yes, very good. All right. All right. Well, again, thank you so much. It's been uh, our pleasure having you. Uh, and before we go, I just want to remind our listeners, uh, if you like this episode, uh, we want to make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the new episodes that we have coming. We have a great lineup of guests coming up uh, over the next uh, couple of months. So uh, in order to subscribe, you can go to our website, goodtobesocial.com, 
or just do a search on uh, on iTunes um, on Legal Marketing 2.0, and, and you'll be able to subscribe, and you won't miss any other episodes. And then last but not least, if you're struggling with making your digital marketing work for your law firm and you would like some help, make sure you go to lawfirmmarketinghelp.com um, and we'll be happy to help you there. Until next time, thanks, Tim. Thanks, Yolanda. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Yolanda. Take care.